DJ Tens of thousands on my right, thousands by my side War between good and evil, watching our fists collide Battle for our freedom now, to the streets we ride Flags waving all around, pages full of pride This is where we make a stand, no more give or take They want to use violence on Americans We want freedom We want peace We want freedom We want peace We want freedom We want peace Enough with tyranny We come to take our country back For all citizens White, red, brown, or black Return it to a form of glory Fix the bloody crack On the crown Fetch it down It's going down She warned me that this day would come I'm like my father, go to combat with the blazing guns I survived that, then I came back, took the place I'm from To face off all these haters and the battle in the place I love You can't break me down, I'm indivisible You still see my raps if I was invisible That pepper spray tastes like chicken Welcome to Freedom Unchained. This is episode 24. We're going to speak with the son of Jeff Zink, who we interviewed last week. He's a candidate for Congress. If you have not checked out that episode, go back and check out episode 23, because he dropped some heavy truth bombs on the state of our election systems, proof of election fraud, as well as events that happened when he was at January 6th. And if you're in Arizona, I'd definitely think you should look into him uh, because Jeff Zink is an American first candidate and we need as many of those in office as we possibly can and after extensive talks with him I can assure you that he is the man for the job but don't take my word for it look at his record look into how he says he wants to help run the country This episode today, we are going to speak to his son, who was involved with him at January 6th and was actually working for him, but we'll get into all the details during the interview. Great stories, and I'm sure if you've been listening to this show, you can understand that the narrative that we are being fed by the mainstream, lamestream media is not true. People didn't go to overthrow the government. The people went to hold our representatives accountable and give the representatives that were there to help protect our country a voice. It didn't work. We were all framed and set up, and those representatives were silenced. And then they certified an election that all we asked for was an investigation. So if you have been listening, and you're up to date on the truth of January 6th, you are far ahead of much of the world, and I cannot thank you all enough for your support. I hope you enjoy this interview. We got many more coming down the line. I have been doing a blitzkrieg of interviews and also going on other shows, if you may have seen, to try to help get the story of January 6th out there and to highlight the fight that we are doing to help save our republic. Thank you. Enjoy. And a quick word from our sponsors. Please do check them out. That's what keeps this uh, boat floating. 
and also helping me pay for a lawyer for my case because I'm facing over 30 years in prison even though I did not go into the building I did not attack anybody and I did not destroy anything Hey, don't forget, folks, to check out the description box for the links and references that you would need. Also, you can find the links to all of our sponsors down there to help keep the Sing for Freedom dream alive, keep this podcast running, and uh, help me in my fight for true justice for January 6th inmates, defendants, and their families. And also help me in my own case. You know, I'm facing 30 years and I can't do it alone, even though I didn't go in the building, which still blows my mind. But that's the America that we're dealt with right now. MammothNation.com MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com and P2PPrinting.com are our sponsors. Mammoth Nation uh, goes up against Amazon and makes sure to support patriotic veteran-owned businesses. Use the promo code of Freedom J6. That's Freedom, the letter J, the number six, for a 30% discount. MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com. Use the promo code Freedom. And that's how they know that I'm the one that sent you, and it helps us keep things going. And then P2P Printing. Look under the Pi Anon tab. P I A N O N. Pi Anon. That's the name I go by online. And you can get all the Sing for Freedom gear, merchandise that your heart can desire. Help make patriotism sexy again. I also want to remind everybody that in the description box, you can find a link to drop us a voice message. You want to do your national anthem for Sing for Freedom by audio only? Send us a voice message. You want to send a message to the J6ers? You can do it that way as well. And also don't forget to check out our website of Sing, the number four, freedom.us. Singforfreedom.us. It's not a .com because I'm not a company. It's not .org because, well, I'm not very organized, but I am an American. So singforfreedom.us. It's the central hub of ways that you can get involved, help out our January 6th defendants with their give, send, goes. I have a very extensive list on the site, and it goes directly to them. We don't touch a penny. Uh, my give, send, go is on there as well. So if you feel so inclined to help me out in this fight to pay for a very expensive lawyer, um, you just find my name, Joseph Thomas, in the list. And uh, it's all deeply appreciated because all of us have limited resources. The federal government, which is destroying our lives, have unlimited resources because as good citizens, we pay our taxes. So check out the website, singforfreedom.us. There's ways that you can get involved in all the different groups. Plus, you can see the videos the Patriots submit for Sing for Freedom of them singing the anthem. Hey, family, you know how we do things here. This is Pying On, your infamous host, Joe Thomas, and welcome to another episode of Freedom Unchained. I have a treat for you all. Our last episode, we interviewed Jeff Zink running for Congress, and he laid some truth bombs down on the table. And we also mentioned our current guest, his son, Ryan Zink, who is up against it 
looking Uncle Sam straight in the face saying, screw you, sucker. This is our country. Let our people go. And he has his elbows deep in the mud, digging up some truth to help fight for the freedom of those being politically persecuted. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's always a pleasure and an honor, brother. And, uh, you know, as a fellow J6er, I understand the uphill battle that you are fighting. And it's truly commendable that you're able to keep your stuff together and to think of others out here in the trenches doing everything you can to help them as well as fight your own case. So hat tip to you. For uh, my audience, some of them are not part of the Cool Kids Club to know exactly who you are. So give us a little insight into your background. Who makes Ryan Zink Ryan Zink? Well, I'm uh, 34. I live in Texas. Um, my father is Jeff Zink. He, on January 6th, was a congressional candidate in District 7, which he's now in District 3 from the uh, Arizona redistricting. Um, I was in college at one point uh, before all this happened, and I was majoring in you know, media strategy, public relations, and uh, I was working for my father as a congressional media campaign staffer. Uh, I was actually employed by him uh, on January 6th. And now I just mostly uh, fish and work and pay attorneys and cut grass because it's all the time that I really have, um, you know, outside of uh, working on, you know, the the J6 stuff that uh, sometimes it keeps me sane and other times, you know, there (sighs) might be a wrench or something fly across the house. It just kind of depends on the day with J6 stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, got two dogs. girlfriend stuck by my side through you know thick and thin I probably wouldn't have made it this far if it wasn't for her and uh I've got the you know support of my family and uh the community here here where uh I live not everyone um you know people have their differences of opinion but uh you know all of my friends in law enforcement um you know that are that are around here I have their support you know they know who I am and know that what's been said about me is just preposterous you know and uh, so it's it's been all right you know got got my little slice of country out here i don't really get bothered by the media that much now but i'm sure now that uh a trial date's been announced they're gonna start coming to me again so you know is what it is so basically you're a regular american that was thrown into a shit storm and now you're doing everything you can to keep your head above water and to help fight for those that are in this mess with you while still trying to live your life. And um, obviously you say you have the support of those around you, which is absolutely amazing because if it was according to the media, they would think that the entire country hates you and everybody around you thinks you're a monster and a terrorist. So that alone shows that their BS is exactly that. For January 6th, kind of give us an insight into that day. I know you said you went there working uh, for your dad as a a media relation and, you know, videotaping, taking pictures. But did you go to Trump's speech? So um, I'm going to I have to back up a little bit for the reasons why I even got to go to January 6th. Um, So I lived in Texas and I had uh been coming off of a workman's comp injury and a lot of people don't know this but my dad worked in professional sports medicine for years and as far as i'm concerned there's no one better 
at giving, uh, you know, like muscular uh, skeletal treatment to anyone that's that's out there outside of maybe one of his really good friends, Brent. Brent is also uh, an amazing uh, kinesiologist like my father. And um, so I was battling with some injuries and I had run out of insurance time on my workman's comp. So I had actually gone to Phoenix where he lives in order to get free treatment. Like I was, I was, uh, not, I was still not working because I couldn't really get my hand over my head and my shoulder. I was having a lot of problems. Uh, I was up to the point where I couldn't even really lift about, but about seven pounds over my left shoulder, something, something close to that. If I really struggled, I could probably do more. But, uh, you know, I, I went up there and got some treatment and, uh, my dad had, you know, already declared for Congress and had all of his signatures and was FBI vetted and everything. And for those of you that don't know my dad, um, I, I always like to say, you know, that, um, I grew up with a harsh West Texas, uh, panhandle man, because that's exactly what it was. So, you know, it, picking out colors of suits and hues of ties and smiling and pictures is not exactly what he was designed to do because he's all business and he doesn't really care, you know, what he looks like. Coming in and, and doing media for him, you know, was kind of a wake up for him and for me because of, you know, seeing the seriousness behind it. So while I was there getting that treatment, you know, I was taking the pictures, getting stuff ready for the business cards, picking out suits, developing, like I went and got some curtains, you know, and uh, I paid for some of this out of my own pocket. I paid for some of it, you know, with the, the very minuscule amount of campaign funds that they had at the time. I think at the time his donations were like $40 or something like that um, because it was, you know, it was so uh, brand new to everything. And then my dad tells me that he's going to go to January 6th and I'm going to go back to Lubbock uh, where I live and my truck breaks down. Like it, the, the turbo pretty much ate itself on uh, my truck and I am now stranded in Phoenix. Yeah. Cannot go home. They do not have parts. This is dead in the big swing of the, you know, fake COVID crisis that was created over everything and so it was hard to get parts and so i'm stranded there and my dad's like well i'm gonna go to you know january to uh up on the 6th and fly in on the 5th and i talked to my dad and i was like you know hey man you know go up there alone is anybody going with you and he was like no i'm just gonna head up there and stay for you know a few days because i truly believe um that this is going to be history that you know Arizona and the rest of the country that the power of the vote is going to go back to the states because of you know what was going on in, in Maricopa which he was already actively involved with at the time because I and I, I my father and everyone that is around him um, believe that that election is fraudulent in uh, in Arizona for America because of the massive amounts of evidence that we've seen and so, you know, dad continues to work with Carrie Lake and with uh, Abe Hamaday to uh, advance their cases and, you know, and to prove what we've known all along. And um, so I told, you know, going back to my uh, initial thought there, 
you know, we had just come off of seeing, you know, a Trump supporter get shot in the head, Antifa jumping people, uh, going back and forth. And, you know, it's not that I was expecting any kind of trouble or anything to show up on January 6th, but it was definitely one of the things where I was like, you know, this is my dad. I care about him. My dad will talk to a wall if it will talk back because he wants people to know what is going on. And I thought to myself, I was like, you know, if he talks to the wrong person, I could, you know, something could happen to my dad. And so I was like, you know, um, if I can, I'd like to go, but I don't really know how this is going to work. And so my dad and my stepmom uh, actually paid for uh, the, the trip to go up there. So it didn't actually wind up costing me a dime. I think they had used some uh, some travel points, maybe a little bit of cash to go um, up there. And uh, so we had family that stayed in the area just outside in another state. Um, and, uh, you know, not to mention that uh this individual works in a very prestigious you know military institution that i've been asked not to name but um you know it just we went up there and stayed with somebody who's been in a prestigious military institution for years we had no expectations of what was going on and then we wake up in the morning and we head out to the metro and we get out there super super early and it is freezing. I even made a uh, I made a post about it. It was talking about how rough it was getting because we came from Phoenix, Arizona, to where it is freezing cold. I mean, it was cold that day. Well, you you remember it was cold on on the on the sixth, and uh, so we get off the metro and go up, and we didn't actually get to hear anybody speak that day. I, I didn't get to hear Trump speak. I, I did see uh, Diamond and Silk walk in uh, over in the, the speech area. So that was that was kind of cool um, to, to see that. But the Secret Service would not let me and my dad in because we had backpacks because we had planned on, you know, being out there um, to see what happened so that we could report um, back to everyone about what was going on. And... Um, you know, I'm documenting the whole day, taking pictures the whole day. I got great pictures of the crowd, great pictures of Secret Service, you know, all of these um, pictures and, and, and videos of dad and, you know, him being there because that's really what this was about was it was about, you know, documenting his purpose and, and uh, I just got to go, you know. And um, so whenever we don't get in, we decided that we're going to head over to the Capitol because dad had an interview with the Epic Times um, before everything like officially kicked off. And I'll get to that side here in a little bit. But uh, we went and, you know, walked around and talked to some people. We talked to blacks for Trump. We talked to uh, Samoans for Trump. We talked to uh, some members from the CCP party who were, you know, uh, basically preaching to us about the dangers of the communist party and you know what they had seen to what had, you know had come in just basically all the stuff that we're living through right now you know with this banana republic um and these kangaroo courts that we're being exposed to and um you know we had gone over to the side by the supreme court and um over across from the columbus doors and um, everything was chill 
at first until um you know there was some i would say some some moderate pushing and shoving that happened to our left with a couple of protesters but then all of the sudden just all of the barricades open up and there's a police officer that's like just to the right of where we are that just starts waving everybody through the barricades like right there and then so we didn't uh we didn't actually go in as soon as you know he started waving people through like we kind of sat there and we were like what the hell is going on what like what is this and then uh, i had a conversation with my dad you know standing right there on the other side of the barricade and he was like well the police are waving people through right now like what do you think you think we should go in the capital and i was like no we're not going in the capital i was like that's how we get you know i was like i don't know man maybe the threshold law like there's got to be something to that but they're at least you know letting us into this area and so we make that decision uh to, to go in based upon what we had seen and uh you know i'm trying to catch up to my dad he's uh he's a lot taller than me we, we look alike but i'm like not not as tall as he is i'm five eight my dad's a six foot so he's got a little longer stride than i do and uh you know we get down there to the base of the steps and there's not really a whole lot of pushing and shoving or anything that's going on it's mostly you know just people talking and you know like this is crazy and you know i'm making facebook videos and talking and making posts and that's when like all the cell phone service cuts out though it's like right after this it's like I, I didn't really have a whole lot of service um to convey messages back and forth to people you know there were some like be carefuls you know uh you know some stuff like that because we didn't realize we had no idea what was going on on the other side of where you know like the tunnel and um you know the, just a just the overwhelming i guess presence of the day like about what about what was happening because things were things were fairly mild and up for a little while on our side but um anyways i digress from that so eventually what happens is is the police open up the porch and they start telling people like as they're backing up like you can come up here so if you were over on the columbus door side and you're listening to this and you have facebook video or twitter or rumble or whatever we need those videos because i'm still trying to identify a few of those police officers that uh that made this happen and so we get me and my dad we're not like running up to the door like all crazy and you know doing anything like that but we see that there's some space to the right side of the porch to where we can get some good pictures and try to get like i guess a bearing of what is going on and that's where the trouble really starts i guess for the day like for what we have seen because immediately at this point once i make it to the right side of the steps is when we come across an individual who has now been known as hunter mk and a hunter jumps up on the ledge and of the window to the right side of the columbus doors and he punches the window and kicks it out with his foot 
and then starts trying to make entry into the building. And the United States Capitol Police officers respond very quickly. They do their job. They knock him to the ground. They take him into custody. And they did a good job because that's what I saw. I saw somebody damaging the building. I saw somebody who was breaking the law. And I saw somebody who um, was not doing what the message of the day was, which was a peaceful protest with, uh, you know, numbers in force, no threats, no anything like that. And the crowd turns on these police officers at this point. And at this point is the, is the part of the day where I think I was the most scared of what was going on because I turned and I addressed those protesters that were fixing to start attacking those police officers. And I turned to them and I said, leave them alone. They're just doing their job. And then I yelled it because there were some people that were becoming rapidly more aggressive. And I honestly feel like if I had not been on the porch that day, that those police officers on that side could have been very, very seriously injured because I have been known to be a loud individual. It was very loud on that porch. Uh, Most of the videos that I'm in, I'm having to scream because I don't think that people are going to be able to hear me about what's going on in the videos, just trying to relay the information of what's happening. And so after this happens, the crowd calms down over there. They, they don't, at least from what we could see, because I didn't know what was happening inside of the doors that were right there about how they were combative until later. And I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. So we stand on this porch and we are talking to these police officers. And at one point I approach uh, one of the police officers and I ask him, I'm like, Hey, how can we help you? Like what, like, what can we do to, to, to get something done? Like there has to be something. And he tells me, take pictures of everyone who attacks us. Something to that effect. Stay and take pictures of, of them attacking us. Take pictures of them attacking us. And I said, okay. And I took that as a directive. I took that as a, this is something that I can do to help in this situation because I believe in law enforcement. I always have. I have friends who are in law enforcement. I'm a law-abiding citizen. I believe uh, that some portions of the justice system work. And um, I also believe that, uh, you know, despite that, I don't completely support everything that happened with the Capitol Police officers or with the Metropolitan PD or, you know, several of the other things that were there, because I, I do believe that there were some bad actors who were instigating and assaulting police officers unprovoked. And I think that those people deserve to sit, uh, you know, and do time for the crime. But I also believe that there was a many cases of excessive use of force. And I believe that those police officers need to be held accountable for those actions. And as well as the the uh, upper management of those police officers. I believe that there needs to be accountability um, that that comes with that. So after seeing, you know, this and taking this directive uh, from this police officer of how I can help them, I, my father and I, we start talking to whom I believe is a, is a captain on the porch. I, I have his name, but it was released in discovery. So I cannot, uh, violate the conditions of my gag order by releasing his name. But, um, 
we sit and we talk to this guy for about 45 minutes. We're sitting there and we're asking like, what's going on? I'm listening to his radio. He is talking to me and giving me details about what is going on inside. And so the FBI sees this Facebook post. And I believe that this is the one that, that actually got me arrested is because I am listening to this guy speak and I posted literally inside the Capitol, there are shots fired, there are reports of fire, of a fire. And, uh, you know, I'm at some, something else to that effect or whatever. And I'm getting this directly from the mouth of this police officer. And so when this happens, we hear boom, boom, and it's Ashley Babbitt getting murdered. And this police officer, this is like right after Ashley Babbitt gets shot is when I make this, is when I make this post and I, I put it on there and that police officer and the other like three or four police officers that were over there understand that my dad is a vet, is a vetted, you know, FBI vetted and cleared, you know, congressional candidate and they give up their backs to us. They tell us, hey, you should probably come stand over here. There's some shooting going on inside. We don't know where it's coming from. Somebody has a gun. You guys should probably come stand back here and shield yourselves from it. And they let us behind them. So, you know, most people would think that during this, you know, incident that occurred, that if a police officer is willing to give up his back to you, he doesn't really see you as much of a threat. To what's going on because they did not do that for everyone everyone else got left out in front of them and we were the ones that were standing behind them so at this point we are continuing to talk to this police officer i'm taking pictures of individuals who you know have some violent tendencies or you know some aggressions talking about what's going on telling people that you know they need to go to their capitals make their voices heard call their you know, call their, their leadership, their, their congressman, and posting this stuff to Facebook. And that police officer turns to us and he says, and this is the first time, this is the first time that this has happened. This police officer turns to us and he says, hey man, uh, we just got the call in over the radio. They're going to enforce a curfew at 6 p.m. You should probably get out of here. It's like, things are going to get really ugly. They're about to start cleaning this place out. And when that crew gets here, they really mean some business. So if you can, try to take as many people with you. Uh, you know, thanked us for offering because, you know, we had told them, like, if you need help prosecuting this guy that broke out the windows, you can have our footage. You can have this. My, You know, you can have these, these pictures. We, we will write affidavits against this individual. And... My dad gave him, you know, his congressional candidate card and they shook our hands and we left and, and, and left. And so as we're leaving, I tell my dad, I'm like, hey, there's something going on inside. Help me get on top of this pillar so that I can take pictures of what's going on inside of the building. And when I get on top of the pillar is when I really see on our side kind of what is, is happening because the, the police... And the protesters, unfortunately, are engaged in, uh, you know, some some uh, aggressive fighting, uh, you know, what's going on. And I lean down and I tell my dad and I'm like, we need to get the hell out of here. I was like, this is not this is not OK. This is not why we're why we're here. This isn't this isn't it. 
And my dad's like, what's going on? And I, and I leaned down and I told him, I was like, they are beating the shit out of each other. Like this is getting really bad on the inside. And so we make our way down. Uh, we run into Pam Hemphill, another J6 uh, individual. She's, you know, kind of disoriented. She's been uh, battling with cancer for years and taking some pain pills and going through everything uh, revolving uh, around her medical conditions. And we get her, you know, uh, stood up. She's talking to my dad. I'm taking pictures. I go out and am taking pictures of her and him talking on the steps. And then we head back around exit you know exit stage left get back around to the front to where we see the inauguration stand and that's when it re- that's when we realize this is going to be looked at forever this is not just a small event this is not something that is going to go away like this is a part of of history that is that's going to be talked about and we see that we go up we're trying to take some pictures and to document you know what was going on on that side um of course on on that side there was a a lot of uh you know tear gas that had previously been shot into the crowd there wasn't there wasn't really a whole bunch of um what was going on uh you know, prior, and this is all secondhand knowledge, you know, just from viewing video clips of the day after I was released from the gulag in DC and, um, stuff like that. And then, you know, we get on the Metro and we leave and then I finally get back into service, but there's still not good service there. So a majority of these messages that I'm sending people are very short, very abrupt because if they're long, they don't get out. And, uh, you know, which, uh, of course, this is all stuff that they're using against me as well, you know, trying to make it seem like I was there to, you know, take over the government and all this other ridiculous nonsense. Uh, you know, while I'm actively working to get my father into Congress, yeah, sure, let me just go interrupt, you know, an official government proceeding real quick and and everything. That, that makes the most amount of sense. Um, and so, you know, we, we head back and get on the Metro and get picked up and go and we go back to the we go back to the Capitol on uh, January seventh and make our way over to the White House to try to see, uh, you know, how how close we can get. You know, we're walking around thanking the uh, the soldiers that were finally allowed in after Nancy Pelosi and them rejected them. They they finally had, you know got to the Capitol and uh, were helping to clean the place up and keep it secure and, you know, thanking them for their service and any of the USCP officers that we saw um, that were around there just trying to, you know, give a heads up, like, you know, hey, thank you for, you know, yesterday was crazy, you know, that it, it shouldn't happen, you know, just, uh, you know, are, are you are you okay? Did anything happen? You know, just, just small talk, just going around and, and seeing it. And then uh, my grandmother, uh, who was passed away she had actually asked me to go and there's a there's a home near the capital where um i guess one of her her family used to live in and we went and took pictures of that and then went and got a couple of shots of the white house walked around went native mcdonald's and then went back and flew home flew back to phoenix and 
you know, we're sitting there. I reached out to the news in Arizona and, you know, because I'm acting as a media representative for a congressman, I contacted, the, you know, the, the news station over there and told them, was like, hey, I've got some J6 footage. You know, uh, my, my father's running for Congress. We were there. There's a, you know, there's some stuff going on here. Like, I, we didn't go in the Capitol. Like, we didn't assault any police officers, didn't move any barricades, you know, just said, you know, like, hey, I've got some footage. If you guys are interested in it, you know, feel free to reach out to me and, you know, come do an interview and talk to us about it. And so we get that. And, you know, we're, me and dad, we're under the full expectation that somebody is going to contact us. You know, we're not really sure who it is. We're, you know, we're thinking like, you know, possibly, the the metro police or the or the you know the capital police uh possibly secret service or the fbi was going to contact us to get our statements about what happened with hunter emke you know we're sitting here going like you know this is this is uh you know we need to write all of this down we need you know we need to make sure that we remember everything we need to um show what's going on here and then that's when i see the arrests start happening and it's, you know, it's just, there's, there's like a couple on the 7th, there wasn't really a whole lot of news about it, but by the 13th, you know, there was a whole bunch of stuff that was going on. And I was, you know, I, I talked to my dad about it and we were like, okay, you know, um, somebody's going to call us. Like they're probably just, you know, busy. I'm, I'm sure that some of these people that they're arresting, they're identifying from, you know, fingerprints or like they stole something, you know, I, we didn't really think that they were just going to be arresting protesters who just walked through the building or in my case, didn't even go inside the building. And, you know, I, I never really had this circumstance to where I imagined that anything that I had done on January 6th was going to lead to 60 FBI agents driving through the front of my house with an armored assault vehicle with a 12-foot battering ram on February 4th, sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the next couple of weeks after I get home. And I'm still injured at this point. And so I'll get to that night. Uh, thank, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that my girlfriend was out of town when that happened because who, would, who knows what they would have, you know, tried to do. Um with it I mean, I mean they broke every door in my house unlocked doors they broke them and ripped my entire house apart i'm missing 300 dollars out of my wallet uh from the night that i was arrested like you know they went through my just like everything confiscated like they took my xbox memory like good luck scrolling through nine years of skyrim i'd love to meet the guy that had to deal with that um <laughs> You know, and, you know, I, I, I get to Lubbock County Jail and, you know, oh, let me back up. So before that, so the arresting officer from local, because it was the FBI who, who you know, treated me like the terrorists they say I am, um, came across. And the local police officer, once I was transferred out of custody from the FBI, they were like trying to, the FBI was like trying to open my phone with my face without my consent, you know, and, you know, they were trying to like circumvent a certain portion of the 
of the seizure warrants and all this other stuff that, uh, you know, because I, I don't really know what the deal with that was, you know, that's not really like a part of my, my case or like discovery or anything, but yeah, this one dude was like definitely trying to open my phone with my face because I don't know, apparently they needed something out of it, but I, I don't know, uh, what all it is. And, you know, I just sit there and, you know, they're like, do you have anything to say to us? And I'm like, no, I have nothing to say to you. And I was like, you guys aren't my friends. I was like, I'm willing to cooperate, but I'm not saying a word, anything. And then, uh, you know, they, they let me talk to my neighbor to see if he could watch my dogs and, until my girlfriend got home. And they said that they were going to secure the house. Well, all they did was prop the front door up. So I have two dogs. I have a, a chocolate lab and I have a very, very tiny uh, dog who's just a lap dog and both of them were flashbanged. I have flashbang damage on every piece of furniture in my living room. There are burn marks on the carpet. There are flashbang burns all the way across the, uh, the television. Um, there are flashbang burns and marks that were all over the wall. They broke every door in the house, went through all of my stuff you know, we're looking for all of these, you know, different items, I guess, to like classify or label me as a terrorist, but you know, lawnmowers and fertilizer isn't really going to get it done here. And, um, you know, so this police officer from, you know, digressing from that point. So this police officer that takes me into custody from the Lubbock police department, before he takes me to Lubbock County jail, he turns off all the cameras in the vehicle his body camera and everything goes dark and turns to me and says, I want you to listen to me and I want you to listen to me closely. And I said, okay. He said, we wanted to do this a different way because there are people in the community that know you and they told them that you would not have to have a no knock and that it would not have to escalate to this scale. We were instructed that if we interfered in any way, that they would arrest us, take our badges, and charge us with tampering with a federal investigation. They came for you this way on their terms, not on ours. So I said, okay, and he said, I'm going to turn these cameras back on. Do not say anything at all. The jail phones record, and they listen to every word. This records, and they are going to use everything against you. Do you understand what I'm telling you? And I said, yes. And he goes, I do not believe as a person that you have done anything wrong after what. And so do a lot of the uppers, but it's the highest person that we have in this department is the one that's making this happen. And now come to find out, you know, like the police chief here, he is very liberal. He was actually handed like an FBI graduation deal from Christopher Ray in person um, here a couple of months back um, with everything that's going on. And so, you know, I spent uh, several months uh, incarcerated as I was making my way to D.C. Um, I was extradited from Texas. I went from Lubbock County Jail to Eden, Texas. Uh, at a holding facilities there. Then I was transferred to Oklahoma City. Um, there was a, a federal processing center that I flew Conair 
on to get there and then I turned around and flew Conair again somewhere in either West Virginia uh, I think is where I landed and then I was at the Gulag and um, everything was was pretty okay it was on the up and up uh, at every other facility that I was at you know I had commissary I could talk to my family when I wanted to I had access to showers at those facilities any time of day that I wanted I could take a shower the meals came out there was no issues with any of those facilities outside of at Eden Texas whenever the jail intake interview for that place called me a domestic terrorist and told me that I was a terrorist that uh, I was involved in all these different organizations and that I was fucked and that I needed to talk to um I needed to start talking to him about what was going on because he was going to be the one that was going to, to write this all up. And I was like, no, that's, I was like, first of all, you're not going to talk to me that way. And this interview's over. I'm not saying another word. You can throw me in the hole. You can do whatever you want to do. I'm not saying another word to you. And he was like, oh, okay. Okay. So you're just going to think you can just run up in here and do whatever the hell you want to. And I was like, that's not what I said at all. What I said is this interview's over. And so they sent me back to the pod over there and then that's when everything started you know to get up to dc and this is my experience while i was at dc so um when i got there i did get a meal i did there's been some confusion about that there so allow me to clarify in this interview i did i had two bags of apple juice and two bags of water and a ham sandwich that i don't know how long it had been sitting out because the bread was completely soaked like it was in water and there was meat that was not ham it was some kind of mystery meat and it tasted like ammonia so i get in and i go i go through processing and uh everything and i'm going to uh get placed back into the unit there and there has been some people that have come up to me that are, you know, they're riding over with me. A majority of them are J6 defendants uh, that are getting processed up to the jail. And they're like, hey, we've already heard what's happening here. They're, they're like torturing people here. So we don't like... Of course, none of us have been there at this time, and we don't really know what's happening. So we make it through processing, fingerprints, footprints, retinal scans, you know, height, weight. Um, at this point, when I come in, when I come into the jail, when whenever I'm there, I'm at about 189 pounds, uh, probably somewhere around there. I'm at, probably at about 189 pounds. So we get out. We go over to this unit that we're in, which I'm not sure if it was C2B. I didn't ever actually know where I was at because none of the staff would talk to me with the exception of this uh, this wonderful sergeant. He was, a, he was a black man and he was actually the only person that was generous and was uh, human to me. And um, I, I, I wish to this day that I could remember his name so that I could talk about his generosity. 
but uh, he know who's he knows who he is. And if you're listening to this uh, to this podcast, I, I very much appreciate the generosity that you showed me while I was in there. As for everyone else that was in there, this was a facility that the most horrific of treatments that anyone will ever have to endure in the justice system across the board. And it's completely unconstitutional, un-American, and unequivocally criminal. Some of the things that happened in there, and I'm going to elaborate on those in detail right now. So, the first day when I get into the the pod bay that we were in, um, I am placed into a cell that does not have running plumbing. The toilet is clogged up. And I tell the the officer, I'm like, hey, I need to either be moved to a cell or have somebody come in here because this toilet is clogged and I have to go to the bathroom and I'm breathing sewer air from this and I can get sick. And I get told to shut up and go away from the door or they're going to come in and, and give me something to complain about. So I say, okay. You know, I was like, I'm not going to stick my foot in here and, you know, try to wiggle this stuff around, like get somebody in here to fix this. So they don't. The first day goes by, no shower. I didn't, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if I ate other that day because of what they gave me at intake, like if that was considered to be dinner, but nothing else came afterwards. So another day goes by and I don't get out of the cell. And I get an attorney call and I tell my attorney at the time that my, I tell my two absolutely just scathingly worthless, corrupt individual attorneys uh, out of San Antonio that uh, my wonderful mother took a second mortgage out on her house for $85,000 to pay them. And when I didn't take a plea deal, they quit because they just wanted to do a hit and run on my money and not actually represent me. And, um, so I talked to them and I told them, I was like, Hey, they're not moving my cell or getting somebody in here. I'm breathing sewer air. Something needs to get done about this. And so finally they moved me and to a cell at the end of the row that, that does have running plumbing. So I, I got what I asked for on that portion. And this is when I started getting sick because they were bringing some food. But when I say food, you know, it was like rice with an egg or a ham sandwich that was soaked in bleach or the most peculiar aspect of this is that I didn't have a cup and I haven't showered the entire time that I've been here at this point. So we're three, four, five days in possibly and I still haven't had a shower over at this unit and this is where I finally get to meet the sergeant and I'm like, hey man, I'm like, I have not showered in four days, and I'm not the violent type. But if somebody doesn't let me out of this shell to shower, I'm going to soak this floor in here, and I might start acting a fool. I want my rights met. That's all I'm asking for, because I know that I'm getting out. And I just want to take a shower and come back here. You know, I have nothing to read nothing to focus on. The only thing that I can see is just a little tiny strip of a cemetery 
that's out there that occasionally, maybe once or twice a day, you'll get to see somebody jogging by. And that was the excitement of my my stay there, with the exception that I was given that was about a slaver who has an affair with one of his slaves, you know, for the obvious cultural appropriation uh, that comes behind, you know, the D.C. education system and the way that things are moving over there. And um, it's at this point when I finally get a shower, the first one that I got there. Um, and I, I don't have a cup, so I take the container that my soap comes in back to my cell and I am getting water out of the sink and I see something floating in my in my little plastic bag that I, that the soap came in and I look at it and I pick it up and it looks like meat and I'm like what is this so I, I don't think anything of it I'm like you know maybe I had something in my teeth but then I'm sitting there and I'm like dude I do not remember there being anything in there that was meat at that last meal and so I get up a little bit later after you know I, t- I, I think I took a nap after that and then I get up and I go and um, I get a drink again and then another piece falls out and this time I look at it and it's raw chicken so I take my toothbrush and uh, I stick the, the other end of it up there and as the water's running and I pull out probably six decent sized chunks of raw chicken so because I had complained to my attorneys they tried to you know they tried to kill me by sticking, you know, because they weren't letting us out for medical treatment. They're still not letting people out for medical treatment up there. And, you know, pretty much every meal that I had after that was had some kind of, of chemical, something in it, that was all because I wanted my rights met. You know, just to be able to just to be able to shower and call my family. And then, you know, as the as the days progressed. Uh, you know, I, I talked to the, the captain uh, that was nice to me while I was in there and, you know, expressed some concerns and finally got a second attorney call and told my dad, I was like, dude, you got to get me out of here. They're trying to kill me and they're trying to kill everybody in here because I don't know if they're doing this to everyone or if it's just me, but like, you've got to get me out of here. And so that was when. It stopped for a few days. I actually did get some meals that were that were in, but I was very sick. Like I had constantly, constant stomach irritation and nausea and just just like I, I was like I couldn't breathe at times. And so when I, I stopped eating and just started drinking, and when I stopped eating was when things started getting better for me. And I was like, okay, they're putting stuff in the food. Like they're actually trying to kill me. And then I get the, the most beautiful call from my attorney that I think I've ever got. And she told me that the judge was going to let me out. And I'm still extraordinarily grateful for uh, the judge making that decision. And so far, in a majority of the cases that uh, my judge has been on, he, I, I believe, has made some good decisions. Uh, there's, been, there's been a few things that I've been like, you know, hey, that's kind of questionable. But overall, I think that he's made some, you know, some really good judgment calls. I actually don't really have anything bad to say about him at this point. He's been gracious in uh, the amount of time that it's taken. You know, I was arrested over two years ago and uh, we're finally getting ready to go to trial. Um, 
in September of this year. I found that out yesterday. I had a, a status conference and, and we're getting updated. So I do wind up getting out of uh, the gulag and I don't tell the staff, I don't tell anyone that I'm getting out until I am literally walking out the doors because the staff is like, where the hell are you supposed to be going? And I was like, I don't know, man. And I waited until right until I got to the last door that it was at. And I was like, guys, I'm getting out right now. I'm leaving this facility. I was like, I'm going to start fighting from the outside. And, you know, some good lucks and some cheers and, you know, a couple other things uh, happened. And I was thinking, you know, okay, like I'm going to get out and there's going to be, you know, it, it won't be too much longer. You know, we'll be able to do this. Bam. They slap everybody that's getting out with a gag order. They hit this gag order on everyone. I feel like gag orders are so unconstitutional in the right that we have the First Amendment to where we have the right to speak. We have the right. Prosecuting attorneys know that they can listen to this conversation. They can listen to anything. Oh, and if you go into the Proud Boys case, apparently confidential human sources, the FBI and the DOJ can listen to your conversations and turn it over to prosecutors as well. So, you know, there's a strategic sets of checks and balances that come with this whole gag order thing. It seems to be really one-sided these days. But, um, you know, I thought that mostly everybody was getting out. I was thinking, you know, like, okay, this is going to be a misunderstanding. You know, this is, you know, once these, you know, Capitol Police officers come forward and they say, no, these were the guys that were actually helping us on the porch, that the charges were going to get dropped. And this prosecutor that I have is evil. He's an evil man. And I, I still do not understand to this day how all of this is unfolded, but I, but I, I have an accomplice of two things that that comes with this is that my my faith in Jesus Christ has grown astronomically, and by by no means am am I a, a perfect man or you know even the the ideal role model of who a Christian should be, but that's just fine to him, and I have found so much strength in the way that I carry myself in the way that I am able to deal with circumstances in my daily life. I have been blessed to find a company that has allowed me to, to work. I have the support of my family. Uh, I have the, the true friends of mine that are still left in this, uh, in this world. And, and there are people that I know that I can count on because they have stood by me through this, through every last portion of um, what has has come to this. And I've met some new friends. Uh, you know, I've seen the way that you guys work and that you're, you're fighting and, you know, we're talking right now and we're doing the American thing. Like we are speaking, we are making our voices heard. And I've, I've gotten to know some really great people, you know, Trennis Evans with Condemned USA, who has literally lost millions of dollars. Um, out of his business fighting for the J6 communities. I now have a good set of attorneys and John Pierce Root and M. Lambert who stood up to the call whenever there were those who deceived me and tried to steal from me. You know, and they can sit back and argue about 
we didn't steal anything from you, blah, 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 this and that. They stole my time, they stole my money, they stole my energy, and they tried to steal my life. And for that, when this is over, I hope they're ready because the lawsuits are coming. And, you know, there's there's a strength that has come from all of this, but there is also a desire that has come out of this too. And my desire is to see this nation return to its former, former glory and to see God put back into schools and into the home and make God the head of America again, because I've seen what happens when he's not at the head and this is it, you know, and I, I get up and I go to church nearly every Sunday, um, you know, to volunteer, getting involved with the, you know, the men's prayer, uh, team at, at my church. And I can, and I can also say that I would not have made it this far if it were not for my church and for the overwhelming, um, reality that just like where I'm standing now, Jesus was also tempted and he was also scared. And, you know, we, we sit here on the first day of Passover watching a former president be indicted on 34 felonies. And I am just constantly reminded that no matter who is the president, that Jesus is king and that he still sits on the throne and that in the end, God wins. And that the big G will always be over the little G of the government. No matter what plots, plans, anything they think that they can do, there will always be judgment that comes in the end. And just as I'm being judged, they shall be judged also. And, you know, there's been a lot of times since... uh, January 6th where you know I I have broke down where um, you know I I have been been dealing with some PTSD I have been you know dealing with uh, you know some uh, aggression that has come out of this about where I, I just can't seem to get in a good mood where you know I feel depressed where I feel like things might be hopeless where I feel like you know I'm, I'm run down. Like my life is completely ruined where, you know, I'm always going to be that capital guy. And then I'm reminded of everyone else that's going through this with me and how I'm not alone and how God has provided a way that no matter what, his will is going to be glorified in what happens and that you know I'm I'm at the point of acceptance where I'm under full surrender you know I'm I'm going to fight with everything that is in me for what I believe and for what I know happened on January 6th and for the people that I feel like were wronged by the ever corrupt FBI you know at the head of Merrick Garland and Christopher Ray and uh, this administration who has, you know, politicized and weaponized the justice system in order to attack those that have 
views or ideologies that they disagree with. And I think my ultimate message is, you know, if we don't speak up now, if people don't stop taking plea deals, if people don't fight this, this is how they're going to come for everyone else that's um, in the in the you know the total scale of everything this is how they're going to come after christians if they don't like your business if they think you're making too much money this is the way that this is all going to begin because they're setting precedent in each one of these court cases to do this again so if we don't fight we're going to lose everything and i don't mean fight in the sense of attacking police officers and burning down buildings like the George Floyd riots and Antifa and the bad actors that were there on January 6th. I mean, just like I said from the porch, call your congressmen and your state representatives. Go to your capitals and make your voice heard. The story that you have just put forth for my audience and for the rest of America I want them to understand that that is true, raw, and and straight from the mouth of a man that has been there and has been suffering through this. I can hear the passion in your voice. I can hear that you still have faith in the system that it can be fixed and come out on the right end of history. But I also hear the frustration in your voice and the disappointment of the condition that it's in now and how our American citizens, yourself included, are being treated. And, uh, you know, I have said for a long time that this is America's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment. The three men that were thrown into the furnace because they would not worship an evil king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And we cannot bow to Nebuchadnezzar, America. We cannot bow to tyranny. Or Biden the geezer. <laughs> Biden the geezer. So you gave a call to action at the beginning of this uh, episode, and I want to remind my audience. You asked if anybody had video of around the Capitol doors that you would be able to help and, and use that in uh, for the cases of many J6ers and what right. had been going on there. So... If anybody has video of J6, anybody has video from around the Capitol, uh, the Columbus doors of the Capitol, post it online. Tag Ryan Zink if you post it on Twitter. Tag me. Um, I'm Sing for Freedom J6 uh, or J6 Sing for Freedom, one of the two. I don't know. But I'm on Twitter. Just look up Sing for Freedom and it's I'm a J6 defendant and you'll be able to notice. But if anything, you can also post it on my website. There's a tab where you can submit video, uh, whether it be you singing the national anthem or it be J6 footage that you believe can help people in their cases or at least bring truth to light. And you can, through my website of sing, the number four freedom.us, you'll be able to submit that video and we can get that out there to help in this fight for truth. Now, as we all know, never once have I promoted that we need to cover up for the actions of others at January 6th. We have preached truth from day one, 
anybody that broke the law needs to be held to account because we are the party of law and order. But also in that same sense, truth needs to come to light because we're not going to get it from the lamestream talking head on TV. Yeah, so, especially where, you know, it just came out this week um, in uh, a couple of filings and some motions that there may be as much as 152,000 hours of footage. You know, originally it was, you know, oh, there's 14,000 hours of footage that's being withheld. And then we see, you know, oh, well, it's 42,000 hours, you know, from the DOJ and the FBI. And now there's 152,000 hours of footage that, you know, has has not. And I mean, this is allegedly, uh, you know, if this is true, I will. I'm always about truth and uh given under to no speculation but this is legitimate you can look this up it's in some some court filings and some motions uh from a couple of the defendants that are out there you know and every scrap of evidence of that video that has been recorded is admissible evidence in the court of law it is exculpatory evidence that has to be provided to all of these J6 defendants. And, you know, and we and we look at, you know, uh, Jake Angeli's case and uh, you see the way that he was treated. You know, they call him the QAnon shaman. They call him this. They call him that. And, you know, Tucker goes on and releases just a little bit of what's there and exposes that yes there were in fact you know fbi informants and in, well sorry correction that there were you know U- uscp undercover officers in the crowd and if i'm telling you if uscp has them metro had them the fbi had them and i'm pretty sure the secret service had them as well um that were out there that second part is speculation but it's it's not a far reach for speculation because of what we're seeing and i and i think that you know, Speaker McCarthy and Jim Jordan have done a horrible, absolutely horrible job of getting this footage out like they said that they were going to. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, they're busy. You know, it's like, here, like, I have been trying to get a hold of my congressman to meet with him face to face to show him my participation on January 6th. And Jody Arrington does nothing, nothing. He tweets and he talks. And that's it. He does nothing. He has done nothing. He has said nothing about J6. And this is the way that I feel like it is because now everybody is too afraid to speak up. And these are not the kind of people that we need in office. These are not the kind of people that anybody wants. And I don't care what side you're on. If you're a a Democrat listening to this, I commend you for going outside of the box and coming in and listening to a conversation like this. Because... I want to hear your views as well, but it needs to be in this format. You know, I've tried to go on and do some other podcasts with stuff. And whenever you get out to, you know, the blame game and, you know, trying to, you know, like force opinions on people, that's, that's not how it, it operates. And, you know, you know, you had iterated earlier that there that you know i believe in the system yes i absolutely did believe in the system uh then now i think it's broken um on january 6th i fully did expect congress to do something and i was anxiously awaiting 
you know, their decision on what was going to happen with Arizona before all of this kicked off. And, you know, we, we had seen, uh, you know, just this overwhelming response of, you know, voters that had gone and voted Trump in. And then you have all of these, you're, you know, not normal, irregular readings and stuff like that. And I just, like, I, I just don't think that politicians should have the power to not do a recount. I think that if there's going to be a recount, it needs to be a popular vote by the area. And if that popular vote passes, there's a recount. And then it doesn't get to go to people or to litigation or this and that. That if people say, I think this is wrong, that's it. They think it's wrong. And it should, you know, and it should go from there. And I think that's one of the problems that this country has right now. Because on January 6th, I was expecting Congress to do something and to work together. And, and you know, and now we have this supreme divide down party lines um, that seems to be taking the country or at least we're told that but you know in the last six months i've talked to all kinds of people and i had just normal conversations with them just you know just like this i've talked to democrats republicans independent green party uh you know i've i've even had like a legitimate serious conversation is and supports marxism and had a good conversation, had a debate, and got some points across that, you know, aren't easy to convey to a person who I just genuinely believe the education system has failed. And I, and I, I think that that has a lot to do with what's going on here, is that people are not educated to the fact that this is the beginning of what brings almost every country that was once great to its knees. And I, and I believe President Trump whenever he says, we are a nation in decline. You know, you can hear it right now. We are a nation in decline. Uh, and, you know, it just, for me, the only way that we're going to save this is that we have to get accountability across the board for our politicians and we have to set term limits and we have to work together and to allow congress to be able to do their job where the congress the senate and the executive branch so the legislative the judicial and the executive branches all three branches of the government have to have a checks and balances system and a form of government that allows them to be held accountable and we don't have that. What we have is a major polarization and weaponization right now that people aren't even being held accountable, you know, for insider trading or for, you know, I mean, just take a look at the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. A man dies who's a who's a world-renowned sex offender who is trafficking children. The woman that is the procurer of these individuals gets arrested and the client list is not released to the public. It's bought and paid off, and no one else has been arrested since. I don't care which side of the party you're on. I feel like pedophilia is kind of where we should all hold hands and be like, this isn't something that we should allow. You know, if we don't have a starting point on anything, can we all just 
pick one subject and be like, okay, you know, like, let, let's just, let's start here. Let's fix this. And then we'll, we'll bring up the next topic because divided we fall. And I don't know. Well, I do know what it's going to take. It, it's going to take God coming back into the country in order to, in, or in order to see greatness again. But if not, that's okay too, because I know what happens in the end. Christ is going to return and it's going to be a glorious day. And, you know, it just, there, there has to be different options. You know, there, there has to be something that can be done. It's why I've supported my dad in this, um, in this fight that, you know, he's, he's in, uh, to run for Congress is because I do believe that he can get the job done. I do believe that he is a brick wall that will not bow down, you know, to what's going on here and that he's a man of action and that he's a man of faith and that, you know, something is going to happen. And I also believe that of president Trump and Donald Trump Jr. As well, because I, you know, I, I really don't understand, you know, just like for me, I, of course I didn't vote for Biden. I, I didn't see, and it wasn't because of anything that was like really in particular. It was just because I didn't think he had the mental capacity to be president. I didn't like the way he spoke. I didn't like the talking points that he had. And I was definitely right. You can look at the economy now and see where, you know, things have, have gone down. And it's, it's just a, a matter of time. You know, I, I do feel like that some people are, are kind of waking up to the fact that like, man, you know, he built a campaign on lies. Like they, they have done nothing, nothing. And then, you know, you see the world's worst liar, Kareem Jean-Pierre, like, wow, like, I, man, like, I didn't think it could get that bad, you know, and, you know, it it really brings into perspective just like how amazing Kaylee McEnany was at, you know, at her job uh, when she was there, you know, from being a media guy, my, you know, myself and, you know, understanding and what bad world theory is and understanding, you know, how the media does manipulate messages at times. But you want to talk about, like, full-scale manipulation, just listen to that woman speak. Uh, you know, and it it just, everything's so, so crazy right now, you know. And, and, and it's only going to get crazier, you know, for me and you from this point forward, as, you know, as we start going and looking for trial. And, you know, hoping to get a fair trial, in a, you know, in Washington, D.C., where, you know, there's a... You have a 99.9% conviction rate for January 6th defendants and the rest of the cases that are brought before the judicial court system over there is a 66% con- conviction rate. And, and, you know, and, but no, it's fine. We're going to get fair trials. So we have, you know, a complete skew in the, in the upward conviction range of nearly 30%, you know, 30 32.4 or 33% increase some, you know, somewhere between those two markers for J six cases alone, but yet we're going to get fair trials out of the jury system there. Like, you know, it just certain aspects of this just aren't they're They're not working. You know, they're, it's just, it's not, it's not working. And, you know, everybody's 
I, I hear people all the time like, oh, I, I can't work with a with a damn old Democrat or, you know, Republicans, like all they have is just this, this, and this. And, you know, we have to find common ground, but it can't be common ground that violates God's laws and it can't be common ground that violates the Constitution and it can't be common ground that violates any sort of right of another individual so that we can see our our government return and go back to work and actually do something and represent us or we need to get them out and put people in that can and you know it just you know what what else what else is there to say i i believe i i believe wholeheartedly i'm i'm a very very proud american and i'm so fortunately lucky to be a texican too and i love being from texas you know they they, when we go out of state well there's two people that'll tell you what they do texans and crossfitters and that doesn't bother me at all because i am from texas i know what you know runs in my blood from down here but first and foremost i'm an american and i think that we can fix this i i don't think that it's too far gone but i think that we have to begin one with getting rid of this politicized government and weaponized Department of Justice. I think that the FBI needs to be disbanded completely. And I and I, I don't I don't just mean like disbanded. I mean those people don't get to work in law enforcement anywhere else. Disbanded. And you know, and see what happens from there because there's there's just too you know there's just too much going on you know hunter emke the guy that kicked out the windows i think he wound up getting like a five thousand dollar fine or 500 i think it was in the hundreds i think it was like 500 dollar fine and four months of of house arrest i'm looking at 22 years in prison for keeping violent protesters off of police officers and posting information to facebook yeah, my case is very similar. I didn't go in. I preached no violence to the crowd constantly, told the Capitol Police we back the blue. We were speaking up for their rights, and they beat the living snot out of me. I helped take weapons away from agitators in the crowd and turned them over to Capitol Police to try to prevent anybody from getting injured. And again, I didn't go in the building, but yet I'm facing over 30 years. I have seven felonies and five misdemeanors. Um, whenever they offered me a plea deal and I politely told them where they could stick it, they threw two more charges at me to total a dozen charges. So, yeah, it seemed like those that were there to help be part of the solution are the ones that they come after the hardest. And uh, our prayers and, and thoughts go out for you in your case, because I know you're you're coming up in trial and you're out here fighting um, right along with us and doing what you do. And uh, I can't commend you enough for your patriotic spirit, sir. I have a quick question about your time in the Gulag. And as you know, I am the, the forerunner of the whole Sing for Freedom campaign out here in the public to get America to stand in solidarity with our January 6th defendants, inmates, and their families. Um, did you participate in singing the national anthem in the D.C. Gulag? When um, they hadn't started doing that yet when I was there, but I love this country and I can guarantee you that I would have been in on it. 
um, if I was if I was there. I think at on I think on one of the days you could hear the Pledge of Allegiance in the morning that I kind of uh, chimed along to. That was a really stressful environment, so I'm, I'm trying to like pick back through the like the thoughts of uh, what was going on then because I was so violent like yeah i went in at like uh, 189 pounds and i i came out at uh i think 157 pounds just in my short time that i was there um but uh yeah i I don't think that they had started doing that yet because i was i was in i think three weeks to a month maybe and then um I don't, I don't remember it ever happening, but I know that it happens like every night at nine o'clock or something like that now. And I've, you know, I've tuned into a couple of the, you know, the, the spaces on Twitter to, you know, to listen to the guys talk about what's going on in there. And I've, I've talked to a couple of them in those spaces about trying to get people, you know, to make sure that they had Bibles and to make sure that, um, you know, uh, that they were getting religious services, which from what I understand, they had Bibles, but they're not getting religious services anymore. But, you know, visitation is finally happening for for some of the guys that are up there. I, I think that's, uh, you know, hallelujah for that because, I, you know, I went months without seeing my family and it was grueling. I can't imagine, being, you know, the length of time that uh, some of these men have been there and then people want to talk crap to them. And about them, about like, oh, well, they're just all now buddy-buddy up in there. Uh, you know, well, yeah, whenever you don't get to see and talk to your family, you're going to talk to the people that are around you and find common ground. And, you know, it just, we're all going through this together. And, you know, and I, I think it's awesome that, you know, they're singing the national anthem and stuff because, you know, it just, it just goes to defy the narrative that, you know, this was a, that J6 was a domestic terrorism movement. Because you will never be able to convince me of that. I, I feel like in some aspects, like in a couple of the cases, which I really am not going to go into, it's just personal belief. I feel like there could be an aspect of that in certain cases. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that I'm a domestic terrorist because of my participation on January 6th, you're insane. Because I love this country and I would never interrupt an official government proceeding, especially while working for my father, you know, to get him into office. I think that there may have been like some planning and some stuff, but, you know, they keep calling this an insurrection and like, where's the weapons? You know, one of the guys that they arrested had a tomahawk and two hot dogs in his pocket, like... I mean, come on, you know, like if I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you if people really wanted to take that building and hold it on January 6th, it could have happened very easily. I was there. I saw the crowd. I saw what they were doing. You know, I, I saw several aspects of it, but that's also not what I saw either. I didn't see people who were trying to take a building i didn't see people who were you know some you know some may have been some you know some did some damaged some property and, and you know and there there were some bad actors in it 
But the thing that I mostly saw was people utilizing their First Amendment rights to speak. You know, when police are moving barricades and waving people through and allowing people into the building, you know, they're escorting Jake around, opening doors for him. That, sorry, that's not an insurrection. It's it's not. Like, you know, it just, it's the worst insurrection in the history of insurrections. If it is. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, uh, you said you go to trial uh, trial in September. Yeah. So I have a, I have a pre-trial date that's established yet, but I don't actually have an official date because there's some scheduling conflicts um, coming up. Because of course, you know, John Pierce is representing the most uh, J six defendants uh, across the spectrum, and so uh, you know, yours, mine, and you know, several other people. So we're you know we're we're trying to get you know some some stuff figured out about uh, about the way uh, about the date uh, you know to to get that finalized. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, late August uh, September. We're gonna be headed to trial. I know John Pierce is right now is uh, doing Chris Albert's uh, trial. He's scheduled for the, this month. Uh, we actually just recently interviewed uh, Mr. Alberts and got to share his story. And, you know, every person that I've spoken to uh, that is facing the DOJ head on are just some of the most upstanding people I've ever had the honor of coming into contact with, um, yourself included, sir. And I, I can't thank you enough for sharing your time and sharing your story and just being open, raw, and honest about what you saw and, uh, I want to know how is it that um, America can help you? What is it that they can do to to help you in this fight? Well, I think most importantly that what everyone can do is speak up. You know, um, not doing anything is still place. And if you don't like the way that your world is, change it. And you know, start going to your local LD meetings and take a position in your community or you know go and find out and talk to people who you're like minded with and create a business or an opportunity for others and change the world that for how you want it to be and I and I promise that you will continue to meet people that are like you and that will support you in your values and yeah you're going to meet some bad people along the way but if you build with like-minded people, you're going to find blessings in everything that you do. And you'll find even more if you tithe and follow God and, and live uh, you know, a Christian lifestyle. But I think another way that um, people can help, you know, I am raising money for my attorneys. Uh, my previous attorneys pretty much robbed me blind uh, with their cowardice. And, uh, so I am, I, I do have a Gibson go it's uh Gibson forward slash Ryan Zink. And I'm going to be, once I've reached my goals, um, I think that there's plenty of other people, um, uh, you know, particularly on, on John's caseload and stuff that I'm going to donate the rest of the money to, because I don't really want anything. Like I, I do need the help because, uh, they pretty much took me for nothing said yeah we're going to represent you uh because we believe in you and believe in uh you know that this is uh just unconscionably wrong 
And uh, so I've, I've really appreciated support, you know, from, from John Pierce, uh, Roger Roots, and Emily Lambert. I'd just like to thank you guys and all of your aides and the, the rest of your staff, you know, for the way that um, you guys have represented me up until this point and how you continue to fight for America and, uh, and you know, people uh, like ourselves. I, I, I think it goes without saying that... Uh, you know, you guys are, are heroes in my eyes. Um, another way that people can help is uh, follow me on Twitter. I love to see the information that comes across. If you have something, you can send it to me and I will get it up the chain. I, I give it to my dad. He gives it to all of the connections that he works with and stuff actually does get done. We, we have had some good, um, you know, turnouts, uh, some great information, uh, you know, has, has gotten across, uh, those channels that, that has actually helped some J six people as well as some, some stuff that's not related to J six. And, um, you know, just, Get, get that information out. If you have those those videos, it's at I, I Toward Heaven. Uh, there's no S's on it, so it's I Toward Heaven. And then uh, you can also just type in Ryan Zink on Twitter, and typically I'm the first person to show up uh, under that name. I'm wearing a cowboy hat, have a bright yellow Bring RJ Sickers home badge on there, and uh, I'm you know, uh, I'm growing and I'm, I'm making some good connections there to, to get some stuff out. Um, you can always send, you know, tips in to Trinus Evans and his crew at condemned USA. Um, you know, call your state and local and federal representatives and talk to them, um, about what you find disgusting about January 6th and the way that people are being treated. And the, you know, I think I think the biggest way that people can help the the January six individuals like myself is to pray for us because people really underestimate the power of prayer, and it doesn't have to be long. It can be your first time, you know, to to talk to God. But if you reach out to Him and you just say a prayer and you know, like God help these people or you know, just whatever it is, the power of prayer is over is overwhelming. And I, I would not be the man that I am today without that, you know, that, that prayer aspect that comes along with it. By no means am I a perfect Christian or, you know, or even try and, and claim to be because I'm a person and, you know, I still make mistakes and, you know, I, I have my moments with, you know, all the stress that, that comes from this, but say a prayer you know, reach out. If you have footage, send it. If you have information, send it. Don't be afraid to speak up because if we don't say something now, they're going to come after us anyway. And then we, and then it'll be too late to speak. So, you know, that's, that's pretty much my thing. Ryan, Ryan Zink or gibsongo.com forward slash Ryan Zink. And then on Twitter at I toward heaven. And, uh, you know, you can reach out, you know, to Joe here, at, you know, sing, sing for freedom, uh, the number four and, uh, you know, get, get at us on, on, uh, on Twitter. Cause you know, we, we talk a lot in, uh, in spaces and we'll try to make it happen. So that's it. And, uh, you know, we say it all the time, 
we need to do something. Sitting around and doing nothing is just being complicit and uh, culpable for the actions that happen. It's up to us, we the people, you know, we are the only ones that can save this nation. And uh, God tells us that if we turn from our ways and humble ourselves and look to him, he will restore our land. So you have hit it right on the nose there, sir. And uh, again, I cannot thank you enough for sharing um, a bit of yourself and the tragedy that you've had to suffer through because of your presence at the Capitol. And uh, we will definitely be holding you and your family up in prayer as you walk into the fire yourself. And uh, I want to encourage my audience to please go to his Give, Send, Go because as you heard, it's going to help him in his fight because the battlefield is in the courtroom. But after his day in court is done, it is going to help so many other J6ers as well. And that's givedengo.com forward slash Ryan Zink. And it's Z as in zebra, I-N-K. So God loves a generous giver and even a dollar can help change a life. Yeah, it, it can, you know, uh, I had a Twitter post that got 42,000 views yesterday. You know, each one of those people sent me a dollar. I hit my goal and have $2,000 to distribute. You know, it just, they underestimate the, you know, how much power as a listener you actually have. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. And man, I really appreciate you having me on the, on the show today. You know, this is, uh, I, I think this was a good one. Thanks. Hopefully my audience thinks the same, which I'm sure they will, because they tune in every week as we take the chains off of freedom and let it ring, because the cucks that are trying to destroy our nation have underestimated the power of the sleeping giant. You know, the only pronouns that are going to save this country are we, the people. You hear it, folks. Every story that we bring to you is straight from the mouths of those that were there, those that are being persecuted, prosecuted, and discriminated against by our federal government. None of them were violent. None of them did anything that they are being accused of. And you hear directly from them a completely different story about January 6th than what people are being told on a daily basis. This should bring, this should bring, excuse me, a huge red flag we're being lied to and Americans are suffering Americans are having their lives destroyed and completely upended but there's many out here that are trying to help right the wrongs trying to stand up for the rest of America trying to stand up for those that are being beaten down by the federal government our country is much greater than a single administration I say this all the time We can make this right, but it's up to us. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy whatever time and whatever freedoms we have left on this earth. And until next time, always remember that the Brandon administration ain't got nothing on we the people because we're Americans and it's going to stay that way. Oh, Hey!